Welcome back to the Flipside Podcast. Today, Sean and I are going to be talking about coming back from a break. We had a request come through um, that wanted us to do a deeper dive into this topic. We did talk about it previously, but basically we just want to we, – we touched on the main things, but we didn't go deeper into each of those things. So that's what today is going to be all about. Um, Sean, just uh, give us kind of an overview of, of – coming back from a break and maybe the struggles or some examples that you've seen? Um, struggles that I've seen is usually like you'll start to try skills that you knew you could do that are usually a little harder. And you're like, oh yeah, I should still be able to kind of do this. Like I feel pretty ready. And then you just can't land them for some reason. You're just like, oh, like I don't know why I'm not landing that. Well, I'm going to try a little bit easier of a trick and you're still kind of struggling with it. And then it just kind of like gets into your head and you're just like, oh, maybe I'm just not as good as I was. And it just kind of eats at you, and it makes you in that like struggle state where you just don't want to try as hard sometimes. And it can it, it that can happen, but sometimes people will go the other way and just like, oh, well, I'm just gonna try really hard. Then I'm just gonna work on it a little bit more. But um, that's like the biggest thing that I ever see coming back from break is you think that you can still do stuff, which you probably could. It's just your body kind of needs to be reminded of how to do it. More than just like, oh, I can still chuck this and I'll be perfectly fine. Because it's not usually how it works unless you're an enigma and you're just like, God. And you can just walk, <laughs> walk into a session and just do triple cork with ever, without ever warming up. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, okay, let's, let's yeah. dive deep into that. So basically what you're saying is that uh, people go in with a predetermined idea of how the session is going to go. And yeah. uh, it's usually either high standards and they don't hit those high standards or they go in with very low standards assuming they're not going to be able to do well but then they're also not trying hard from the get-go um yes. so they don't actually give themselves a good bottom line so yes. yeah let's That's uh, kind of like a mentality thing yeah exactly and your mentality is going to be screwed up both ways so how do you go into the session uh free of mind and actually set your bottom line i think uh this is a good way to do it this is pretty much how i always trained until I got to the level I'm at. And I, right now I'm really, um, transition based instead of power tricking based. Cause I got yeah. the power tricks that I want. So my, my dynamic for training has changed quite a bit just because I've reached a level where I need to start branching out more instead of moving up. But previously Truly. on my way up, I was doing, I, I would say my tramp tricks need to be one level above all my floor tricks. And I think if yeah. you leave for your break and you come back, I think you need to take your best combos that you've ever done and do a dumbed down version of them. Pretend that your best combos are quote unquote tramp combos. Pretend that because your body was in tune, you were training consistently, you knew all of the pieces. So if you do a dumbed down version of that, you're yeah. basically like, you know, take a twist away from it. Um, slow the speed down by putting your hands down in a certain trick. Um, so like add a hand to a GMS to get your GMS back, but combo it on purpose like that so that you're feeling accomplished and then l slowly add back those pieces because then you won't be, you won't be, and go back with confidence. So I think that's the problem is when you go back, assuming it's not going to go well, or assuming that you're going to be at a low level, you're not going to push versus, yeah. you know, and then you go in ready to push and then you're shot down you need to go in ready to push to the same limit you know that you were at but start low so then you feel accomplished and you're moving up 
Yeah. And then like, I wanted you to talk about, um, you mentioned um, just reminding your body. So what are kind of some oh, stuff? Yeah. But go ahead and say what you're going to say too. Um, yeah, before I touch base on that, my way of ever going into coming back from a break, personally for me, like especially if I just had like a week, two weeks off, maybe I was just like sore or it was like a vacation or something, I would go in with lower expect lower expectations still pushing because like, okay, I may not hit everything that I'm wanting to do, but I'm still going to try to do things and high hopes. Like yeah. I hope that I can make everything because I, I, I know that I should be able to, but I'm not going to expect it because that's not fair to myself because that will just like kill your mentality for the day. So I, yeah. I, I like the same thing you're saying. Look, different wording and sometimes that helps with other people because i know that totally that's why i love it that's why i love just kind of like like uh, making a conclusion of what the what was previously said it's just easy to uh, to compact it but then also um something else that that reminded me of was um ah shoot um it'll come back to me it'll come back to me okay go ahead about uh your your methods of bringing girls back from a break or so i always do things slowly it depends on how long the break is, though. Um, if it's only after a week, two weeks, like, I'll have them do some, like, warm-up stuff. So, like, if you're kind of a higher level, I'll just be like, okay, let's just do start from the beginning. Just do, like, round-up, back, answering, back, tuck. Round-up, back, answering, back, layout. Round-up, back, answering, back, full. Round-up, back, answering, one and a half. If that's, like, where they've gotten to. It's like, okay, maybe do, like, one back tuck because you really shouldn't need to warm that up. If it looks kind of funky or something's off and, like, the round-up, back, answering, like, okay, just do one more. Just in case, just try to change this a little bit because this is normally how it looks. And then I'll do the layout, see how that looks, then do the full, see how that looks, then do the bigger skill. Because I like to build the confidence before they just go back to doing the big skill. It can be annoying because it's usually a longer process because it kind of has to be. You have to remind your body of what it's doing because your body's just not innately used to just flipping and turning upside down unless you've trained it. And even after training for so long, there can be times where just it's it forgets that just enough or it becomes weird again. Like I remember uh, the first break that I ever had coming back and a backhand round of back answering just felt weird for like a day or like at least like half a day while I was on floor. And eventually all of a sudden it just kind of like popped back in. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine. Oh, thank you. Um, and, that, and then I did remember what I was thinking um, is that the body is always capable. So this is something really interesting that I was reading about the other day is that um, everybody is physically able to do both front splits like all of the time. Um, but your nervous system prevents you from doing that. So, for example, if you were drugged and your nervous system was shut down, you could be set down in the splits and you wouldn't be injured from that because your body would be completely relaxed. Um, because scientifically, stretching isn't about elongating ligaments or muscles. Obviously, it's it, there might be a small part of that, but there's and they're still researching that kind of stuff. But the main the main thing that stretching does is it teaching your nervous system that the position that your body is in is a safe position so yeah so your muscles are relaxing your tendons are relaxing to allow it and obviously once you get to a certain point where you are in complete relaxation then it's a matter of i mean it's generally a matter of muscle tightness 
right? So like say I have really inflexible shoulders and I'm trying to learn flare. That's something that I'm running into right now. And I'm trying to reach back. It's not like my body's too compact to have the flexibility. Things can move around and stretch and, and be flaccid, right? And it's just like, it's teaching the muscle that is allowed to do that. And it, it's opening up and allowing that motion. And you probably don't have strength in that range of motion. So it's another reason why your, your nervous system would be like, no, don't do it. We can't get out of that position or it's a dangerous position because we have no power there. So by slowly teaching your body piece by piece that you can do that, um, you're gaining that strength and, and range by piece by piece. And then your body allows you to go down. And that relates to doing the tricks as well because it is just reminding your nervous system it is reminding your alarm system in your head um that this is okay you don't need to put your hands down you don't need to balk you don't need to double check your surroundings that's what i see a lot in double cork uh when someone takes a break and they come back is they usually do the cork high enough they do their twist well enough usually around 1.5 or right after their cork right before they start their second twist they'll look down or they'll open their shoulders a little bit differently just to double check they're high enough because they don't have the air awareness like they had, or they're just questioning it in general. Um, but your body is fully capable. Like, like I, I would say all the trickers that I've ever seen do any tricks are physically capable of doing double cork. Oh, yeah. It's just, right? It's a matter of efficiency. Like physically, you don't need to be that strong if you have good technique. To, to do a double cork, especially with all the up-and-coming little kids I'm seeing on Instagram, like these tiny people doing double cork like it's nothing because they, they were taught the proper technique for the setup that they're using. Yep. And you're not seeing them from J-Step. You're seeing it from TDR. You're seeing it from um, like Roundoff. You're seeing it from Carwheel. Um, and these tiny people are ripping them out because just because they know how to physically do it. And so it's never an issue of, oh, my body atrophied. I can't double cork right now. No. Yeah, and that's like one thing that I've noticed where people that start working on sending double cork, they almost all have the exact same habit where they, in my opinion, the way I describe it um, is that you almost pause between the first twist and the second twist because you're trying to yeah. for too long and try to figure out where you are. And that momentary pause in the disconnect in your head makes all the difference. And, it yeah, really, and then that, that spot point yeah, is yeah. bringing your feet to the floor You're because yeah. you know the trick that you're pausing at. And it's a good way to time things out, but you have to take it – like the more you time it out – so if you do like a cork, look at the floor and start to twist um, just that a little bit extra, it's teaching you to change your flip-twist ratio. And it's like yeah. a timer like, oh, if I pulled at this time, I get this far. So if you didn't let go, you would feel that spot, but you don't react to the spot. It's just, it's just a trigger to say, I'm here, I'm safe, I'm this high, keep going. So that you don't hesitate and you don't question it. And the, the, like you said, I mean, you just learn it like you learned it from the beginning. And it should be a quick process. It shouldn't be like a, oh my gosh, I got to spend an hour on trampoline trying to get this trick. And if that's the case, then record yourself and review your footage and then go look at your old footage. Because if you used to have double cork, it's not that difficult to record yourself failing one and then record yourself doing one properly and then saying, oh, these are the differences. And yeah, that's what the footage is all about. Well, that's like, um, what was it, when, you're on, when we were on your backyard tramp when I was just like, God, double full, just like, I mean, it still scares me. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. 
I was just like, God, I'm just really scared of this. Like, I got to take my time, like, going for it because it, this is just how I hurt. And just the first time I ripped one, I was just like, oh, okay. It wasn't as hard. It, it wasn't that hard. You just have this huge mental block because you injured your knee on it. Yeah, which God. Um, what were some of the other big points that we wanted to dive deeper into? Uh, why aren't you landing in lifestyle changes? Mm, yes. Like steps we would take or you would take, we already kind of touched on. And we kind of reminding, um, it's, it's pretty much just starting kind of from the beginning with easier trick, building back up to it. Uh, the yep. mentality change that comes from that is just like, don't walk in with super high expectations. That's like not, not usually a good idea most of the time because you probably won't hit the high expectation. You'll probably hit just under it, but it can affect you mentally. Um, yeah. And before we move on that one, um, I think that the body's number one ability for all humans is adaptation. Uh, yeah. The human body is fantastic at, at, at adapting to new situations, regardless of what it is. So if you decide out of the blue that you want to become a marathon runner, give it two weeks and you'll be able to do it. It's just like it's consistency and it's proper training. And it, the same thing applies to tricking. It's just, it's just the adaptation. So you can't just go in and be like, oh, I'm going to adapt to running you know, 24 plus miles. No, you're going to adapt to running one mile at a time. And then yeah. you will get there. And so and it's, it's a mental thing and it's a physical thing, but it, it's repetition. So allow yourself to readapt. Even though you're physically capable, there's a lot of pieces like we've talked about that go into this type of stuff. So you can't just assume that it's all going to be physical. Yeah, but just but just that's the thing that way. That's why you go in with low expectations to begin with, because it's going to take two or three sessions to start feeling comfortable again. Like you said, like you said, like a, like it won't take much longer for it to be like click. I, my body remembers all of this. Yeah, just you have to get yourself back to that point with reps. That is it's a challenge. Trust me, like it's a grind or it can. Oh, one more thing, because I'm on fire. Um <laughs> Um, the, the reason that this is super cool, this just reminded me of this, is that the reps create um, that adaptation, right? Um, if you're doing things like a B-twist and a raise and a tornado kick and a cheat nine and a backside nine and then a standing full, because all of those moves are the exact same move, that's repetition. So it doesn't yeah. matter – that you are doing, like it doesn't matter what moves you're working on, they all relate. They are all adapting your body for that ending movement, that setup movement, that mid-air movement, that leg split, that kick, whatever it is. They are all so related that you're gaining reps and you're gaining consistency and you're getting comfortable with those tricks That's by true. doing any tricks. Just mentally relate them so that you are efficiently training. Because if you say, oh, I did a raise. Now I'm going to work on B-twist. No, you're going to do a raise setup with a different setup, right? Yeah. No, that's relate very them. true. That's, and that's, that's, that's efficiency. That's how you get twice as much done, 10 times as much done in a session. Yeah. And I've had that. So I've actually had that with um, a couple kids, like, learning certain skills. Like, now Chris always knows I, I have a drill for that skill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like one other thing you can do, and that's usually the way that I build things up is like doing the gainer switch, doing that, 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 that. You can almost see it as, as drilling the skill or like how you said, since all those skills relate, just doing one of those skills is almost drilling a different skill because exactly. you're working on it on a different axis or a different way of working on a different piece of it. So like um, a way that I like to teach flyaways is we call it a dead cow. 
you swing back and forth on the bar, and when you let go, you try to land on a mat, and then you backward roll. And then eventually I start adding one pie, two pie, three pie, or an incline mat, as other people call them, or a cheese mat. And <laughs> the goal is to get to, like, four or five incline mats that are stacked on top of each other. So it's pretty much like you're hitting a wall and then flipping over. I mean, you build up. Okay, yeah. And especially, like, if, you, if you're a person that doesn't like spot or you can kind of play around with it and you have time, it's a quick way to get used to literally flipping and learning to turn upside down and being comfortable with letting your body go away and flip then just pull the shoulder and then pull into the bar because then you have to work on letting go and lifting the hip and then just continue the roll. It's kind of the same thing and trying to get that skill back in just a different way because it's still that one skill, but you have to relate the drill to the skill and you have to relate like doing a standing fold to like a B twist. It's just a different axis. That's all it is. Like all of those skills that you were yeah. mentioning, it's just a different axis. That's all it is. You just have to really exactly, and, and it's very slight. I mean, all the muscle engagement is the same, and you have to make that mental connection, or else you're just you're training, just so is branched out, and instead they need to be all connected. Instead, you just make that mental connection and find the pieces that are the same, so that you have the muscle memory already there. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about lifestyle changes. Okay, where do you what want to is, start? All right, what do you have a? pre-sesh ritual a post-sesh ritual a certain song that you used to listen to when you trained is there a certain outfit that you usually have good sessions in do you have a chill outfit so that you don't get upset that you're not landing the tricks that you want to land is there someone you want to bring with you to the session that is going to uh support you or give you the right feedback because there are definitely people at session who don't give the right feedback and it, there's nothing wrong with them being there and there's nothing wrong with getting a laugh out of the feedback that they provide for you but sometimes that's not what you need to hear so yeah. just you know getting the right setting having the right music not eating directly before sesh because you're used to eating at that time since you've stopped tricking are you too full during that session i like i would if it was me and i was coming back from a session i would eat extremely light all day and then go in session and then have a big meal plan for afterwards like yeah. make sure that you bring caffeine because your body is not going to have that same uh, Pavlov response to the smell of the gym, the music that's playing, the clothes that you're wearing, but trying to create that reaction is exactly the goal. And it will, that will also click back in because you're just not in your vibe and you're just trying to create that. So is there anything for you that you do or have done or seen girls do that kind of, do you have like a one, two, three, go, you know, like, like chant before you start or anything like that? Um, Really, I don't think we don't do anything like that currently. Um, I know a lot of college gyms do that, which is really cool. I I like it, but usually JO level you don't really do that. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But like one thing um, that I do see some gyms do is they'll just do like a quick prayer circle and then be done, and then just kind of move on. They won't do a chant afterwards, but they'll just do like a quick like we're gonna kill it, blah 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 blah, like God look out for us or something. Thing like that, I don't know. But um, one thing that I used to do is I used to just, I would start going through my routines in my head. It was kind of my own ritual. It's like either right before I would go and during warm-up, I'd be going through a routine in my head and make sure, A, I remember it. <laughs> B, that I yeah. still visualize myself doing this correctly and not just like eating the floor, which is not ever fun. Um and then 
I would just kind of let my mind go blank and just be like, okay, I'm going to do it exactly how I practiced. Nothing changed. Everything is the same. Cool, the floor is a little bouncier. That doesn't change anything. I still need to go for the skill the exact same way that I do at the gym. Nothing about it has changed. And that was kind of like my own little ritual. Eating-wise, doing all that kind of stuff, I just didn't eat like usually an hour before a meet just because that would usually not go well <laughs> if I did. And what did you eat? Um, Usually just something like lighter, like a quick – I mean technically like a quick snack for me was not always a quick snack because of back then I had a very high metabolism. <laughs> but um, like one thing that I used to really enjoy was like uh, – oh, God, snack wraps from McDonald's. Oh, my God, those were like – even though it's technically not like super healthy – it was just, like, protein, a little bit of carb, and just, like, I could get it down in, like, two or three bites and then just be be okay at least and get through a meat. Because usually when you're going to try to be efficient, in the morning you want a higher fat or higher protein and fat, like, meal or snack. And then usually, like, for lunch I would still eat, like, a bigger protein, higher carb meal. And then right before, like, a practice, like, if I'm getting starting to get, like, quote-unquote snackish, right, just need a little extra, probably just, like, a small, like, quick snack that's just, like, a high-carb snack, just, like, or, like, protein, one or the other. And then after, I would have a big meal, like, probably, like, a pizza or two. <laughs> but, you <Nice>. know. <laughs> so I would okay. really try to wait for my big meal until after a practice, after a session, just because I don't – feeling full – and practicing is like the worst feeling or like drinking too much water before you do something and you feel it slosh around just isn't enjoyable. And if people do that, I don't know how you do that because it is atrocious. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult. I mean, for me, I have a really sensitive stomach, so I do even less than that. But I'll yeah. usually start with like I make sure I, I usually just get like a 52 ounce thing of like orange juice. And I'll usually drink that uh, throughout the day, and then I'll like I'll for breakfast I'll have like a like a really light cereal, and then I'll um usually like uh, all my carbs, like a pretty decent meal for lunch, and then as we get closer to session, I will just eat like a banana, and then if I get hungry, I'll eat another banana. It'll just like just something just keep that comfortable state, but. Like, also, I don't know, it feels like really primitive, but I feel like exercise is supposed to be done when you're hungry. Like you're going out to like hunt or you're going out to gather or whatever it is. Like the exercise is occurring when you're hungry. And I don't know, I can like call upon a lot of energy when I'm hungry. So I'll be going and I'll be like, <laughs> you have that Thai food waiting for you in the fridge. Earn it, bitch. And then I, just, <laughs> and then I send it. <laughs> so God. So I don't know. <laughs> just like that's, that's what I do. Yeah, um, no, I other – other um, other pre-session rituals for me is I have an hour drive, so I'll usually listen to a podcast on the drive uh, on the drive down. But then, as I get within fifteen to twenty minutes of the session, I will play session music, and then it will make my mind just start thinking of tricks I want to do, landing certain combos or big goals that I have planned for the month. And uh, so that's been helping a ton. I used to show up to the session at a foam roll immediately. Um, with the vibrating foam roller, I would just get my low back, get all my muscles. I would like, it would make the blood start flowing really good so that my warm up came a lot easier. So then I would just go to tramp and I would think that I'd need a warm up and then I would just start hitting bangers immediately on tramp and I'd be like, okay, floor time. And uh, it just basically sped up the whole process. I kind of stopped yeah. doing that. 
um, because I don't need to as much now. I think because I'm training more often, my body gets a lot less stiff than it has been. My body's adjusting to the long hours at work now, so I'm not as stiff when I show up to session, but definitely if I'm on like really low sleep, I'll do that. Um, Just I know how my body reacts to certain things, so I think just it's not like I have something that I do every single time. It's just certain things like I feel like this today, this is going to help me. So like if I feel like I'm going to do lots of grabs, if I feel like I'm going to do double flips, I will make sure to have a pair of shorts handy. If I'm going to be doing a lot of kicks, I'll wear jeans. Um, I've pretty, But I've been tricking pretty consistently in jeans and I'm loving it. Um, it just makes my body look way better. And so just like knowing how your body looks is another thing. If you show up to a session being like, this looks good and I'm going to Oh, before, I mean, that is kind of not that important. So let's actually, before we go, I want to talk about, I want to talk about how clean your tricks look when you return. Oh God, they're usually never going to look that clean. They are never that you clean. Are, you are going to be a sloppy mess. Yeah. And also people lie to themselves so aggressively when they go to the session and they're like, oh man, I'm going to do tornado hook. I'm going to start doing my raise. I'm going to do a TD raise. I'm going to make sure it looks clean. I'm going to do TD raise gainer. And they're warming up and they're like, I'm going to get to double cork today. I'm going to get to a snap a swipe. I'm going to do three G switches, whatever it is. You get to session and that's your plan. But then you can't move on from these basics because you don't think it looks clean enough. Shut the hell up. It never looked good. <laughs> yeah, I know, Let's right? Let's be honest. If you can't show up to session and make it look super clean, it never looked good. Or you are you don't remember what good looks like for your body. So don't get stuck training a basic, trying to make it look good, make it feel good. You can look at it and you can adjust, but don't get stuck on it because I see that a lot. Um, there's uh, someone that I know <laughs> that uh, that he trains both sides. And he goes, oh, I need my tornado kick to look the best that it can so I can cheat nine. Um, I want my gainer to look super good before I cork. But he trains both sides, and I understand it. And it's just the way that he wants to train, and that's fine. But But he will ask me, like, hey, how come I'm not able to do a cork right now? Or what is the issue with my scoot that I'm not getting enough height? And he's so worried about how it looks. He's not worried about how effective it is. Because... It's not important how it looks because everybody's body is different. I mean, there are certain key points where I'm like, you're not hitting this body position. You're not pushing here. This knee is not following through. Your hand placements are really soft. You need to, you know, or you need to stretch a little further or you need to be more gradual. You're moving too quick. Those are all problems that are really relevant when you come back from a break. Yeah. But he's so worried. A lot of people are worried about how it looks, not about how it feels. And if it feels wrong or if there's if you're coming down too slow or too hard or too low to the ground or you're looking in the wrong place, it's not you can't look at it and 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 adjust the things that don't look aesthetic. You have to look at the things that don't look efficient and don't look strong. Where in your body are you lacking strength? Where do you feel an improper weightlessness versus a weightless a weightlessness that you can control to create power? Those are the types of things that you need to be looking for instead. Yeah. And the last thing that I wanted to kind of touch on uh, lifestyles or lifestyle changes, um, you, you mentioned it, but I don't think you kind of like 100% thought about it. Um, when changing a job, especially once you get older and you actually you know have to work for a living most of the time, um, can really affect when you're coming in for training. And that is a lifestyle. That's a huge thing. Like getting a new job puts a lot of a different type of stress on you. 
which can also change. Like, if you take, even, like, let's say you're taking, like, a week off, because you're like, I just want to adjust to my new work schedule, or, like, it's just, I've been really stressed, and I just don't feel like I can perform at um, sessions, so I just don't want to go yet. And so I'm, like, comfortable with my job. Let's say that just takes a week. doesn't take too long. But that is a lifestyle change that you have to adjust to. Like you said, working long hours, you were a lot stiffer. So, and you weren't practicing as often because of that. So then you had to change your whole like ritual before the session to accommodate. And that's a big thing is like what you're doing before session is like a huge change. Or like if you have a nighttime job, like let's say you work third or fourth, like that can be a lot like let's say you go to session before you like go to work because that's the time you work like that would be hard because that means usually you're sleeping during the day so now you're waking up and going to session which is a lot different and you have to like kind of adjust to how you perform and how you have to wake yourself up enough to go to session and be fine and that takes time to figure out like you're not just going to figure it out in one try it's not how it works. You have to kind right, of like things. Like you're saying, you're not learning how to redo the tricks. You're learning how to create this Pavlov response. You're tr- learning how to make the chemical adjustments in your body to allow you to actually start training again. So it's just a level of um, habit, you know, creating proper habits around the session is extremely important. It took me forever. Once I started having to go to work at, um, you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. shifts, I was like, man, how do I take a nap? What time do I take a nap? How long do I take my nap for? Um, do I shower before work and after work? Do I do it right before session? Is it a cold shower? Is it a hot shower? You know, do I wear do I wear compression socks at work so that my ankles don't get tired? Are my feet going to be okay? Do I buy new shoes? Do I session with shoes? That crossed my mind. You know, do I always have to wear um, tights? to the session so that my quads don't explode. It was just like a matter of creating habit and figuring out how your body reacts to certain things. That is the first step. And then you focus on the tricks because your tricks aren't going to be a hundred percent of what they would have been because there's a lot that goes into what you were performing. It's, it's kind of like that same thing, teaching your body how to do it again. Not that you're not capable, just there's a lot that goes into it. And especially with your mind, fights (laughs) fights <laughs> the opportunity that you're giving it yeah and that also comes from getting older too because like as you totally. older, things don't function the same <laughs> unfortunately or, like, or, has gotten or, worse. or not pre yes or just being lazy which <laughs> my case, it's a little bit of both i'm not gonna lie but there are times where like i'll go do things and i'm like okay i need to stretch a little bit before i do this or like it's gonna hurt if i do it and that's usually all it takes for like very very simple skills which usually will be the same for you guys i would assume but like you have to remind yourself like okay i have to do things a little bit differently like i might just need a little bit more time warming up just because of like an injury or just because you're on your feet all day and you really need that like quick quote-unquote break for stretching so that you're not super tired because like if you're feet on your feet for like 12 hours or 10 hours, 8 hours, whatever it is. And that 16 is hours. For you. 16 hours if you're crispy. <laughs> a nutbag. Um, you have to learn to adjust to that. And that takes 
a lot of time because I remember multiple calls before uh, we would record. We're talking to Chris and he's like, yeah, dude, it's just 16 hours is a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how the hell you do that, but okay. And you're doing yeah. six days a week. <laughs> session, like, days, no. session days, I'm pretty much consistently awake for 20 hours straight. And, yeah. But my body is so fine with it. Now, it's kind of yeah, insane now. that I've adjusted and I know – my limits and I know what to eat, when to eat it. I know how much water to drink. I know if it should be water or orange juice. I know when I need caffeine. I know when I don't. Yep. And it's just, it's just a matter of learning and it's not, you can and can't do it. And there's totally that gross week or two weeks or month well, that you you're figuring, sluggish. you're figuring these things out. Yeah. And it's, it's disgusting, but it, yep. it's necessary. And that goes with diet changes. That goes with sleep changes. That goes with you know, any life changes. Yeah, I agree. All right, you got anything else to add, senor? No, I think we fucking killed that. All right, perfect. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Flipside Podcast. Make sure to share and subscribe to support our podcast. And you can subscribe by clicking the link in our Spotify description. And just know that your contributions help us bring you guys the best content. Make sure you're following our Instagram at the underscore flip underscore side underscore podcast to get all of our updates on future episodes, merch, and other plans that we have in store for you guys. And you can follow me at Crispy Tricks on Instagram. That's C-H-R-I-S-P-Y underscore T-R-I-X for my tricking journey and more tricking tips. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.